Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee. And this is Getting Rich After Divorce. We're two divorced women who decided the best way to get rich was to embrace our entrepreneurial spirits and build our own business. To us, rich means the money in your bank account, but also the quality of your life, your experiences, and your personal well-being. You're here to overcome doubt, fear, burnout, and finally get unstuck to build a business you love and makes you rich. You also want to learn how to do all of this while navigating the challenges divorced women face. If that's you, stick with us. You're in the right place. Hi, I'm Mimi. And this is Lee. And we are here at Getting Rich After Divorce. And today we're talking to Kylea Asher about this idea of flow. And so Kylea is here with us. And I just want to let Kylea introduce herself and tell you just a little bit about her background and what she does. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Lee and Mimi. Thanks for having me a part of today's conversation. I always love to talk about flow, um, something I've been studying and researching and teaching on and practicing and most importantly, being a learner of, because I say I'm not, I'm no expert. I'm just continuing in process to learn. So, um, but my background is as a um, 20 plus years as an educator, which included um, teaching students of all ages from kindergarten, all the way through graduate school, um, later moving into um, educational leadership and nonprofit management. Um, and then through all of that work was finding myself coaching a lot and really loved coaching. And so decided that I would finally do what I had sort of set out with the intention of doing many years prior, which was to actually become a certified life coach. So today I am a master certified life coach and um, work with all sorts of different people, um, both in individual one-on-one -on -one sessions, as well as in group sessions. Um, I do teaching um, as well for people who are um, themselves training to become coaches. And um, it's been a lovely passion of marrying the two, of being able to bridge together my passions for coaching and my passion for teaching. So, um, but of course, my, my foray into flow really was because um, I wasn't particularly good at it. <laughs> I have been sort of a, I would say a self, um, I would self-describe myself as often living in um, kind of hustle mode, hustle mode that kept me very frequently in burnout um, because I was um, achievement oriented and approval seeking oriented and got my sense of self both by uh, what I was achieving and doing, but also how I was serving others. And so I was often in, um, as I say, my flow was like drinking out of the fire hose spigot, right? And so it was either drinking there or getting so exhausted that I would collapse and have to just turn the water out. <laughs> water faucet off entirely and just go yeah. take it. And I, so can I, I can yes, relate. I can relate. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I thought there has to be a middle way here. There has to be a better way. And so that's what took me into um, 
it was actually a reminder of when I was getting my PhD and learning about flow theory and, and the original work of Dr. Mihai Cheek sent me high, who was a professor at the University of Chicago, who really was the one who discovered and termed the, the idea of flow state. Um, and he actually set out and found it because um, he was really interested. He was a, a, from um, Hungary and he was a product of World War II, a child during World War II was heavily impacted by the war there and saw there were some people who came out of the atrocities of the war and um, could continue living a fulfilled lives and others who the, the trauma of it all was just overbearing and, and felt such depression. So his original interest was kind of trying to find how do you build a life of satisfaction despite what external circumstances are around you and oh, so sort of, yeah so it was sort of a happiness project you know life satisfaction and happiness and so his original body of work was he he gave a, almost 10,000 people a pager and the pager went off eight times a day and he would have people pause when they and this was cross-culturally this was uh cross socioeconomics um classes. This was, you know, men, women, just a very wide assortment of people that were part of this original study. Um, and the pager would go off eight times a day and the person would be asked to pause and write down, what is it that I'm feeling? What am I doing right in this moment? And what am I feeling? And so he had sort of assumed that, well, our happiest moments are probably right when we're lying on a beach somewhere. <laughs> On vacation, <laughs> right? But that would be he, my guess. Yeah, that's what I would assume, right? Yeah. But what he found through all of this study was that actually our our um, happiest moments are actually these moments when we're deeply engaged with a particular activity, um, and um, where it somehow feels meaningful, and there's engagement, and we're deeply engaged in that one activity. And as he talked to his participants, they kept talking about it as it feels like I'm in flow. I'm one with the, you know, I feel one with the universe or with the world, or I feel like I'm a river stream in flow. And so that was how he came up with the term. Well, that's what this is. This is flow state. <laughs> and so yeah, what he actually found um, is that there's a state of being called flow state where we both feel and perform our best. Um, and so later researchers have taken that original body of research and realized there's a lot we can learn from it. One is one thing we've learned um, is that we are actually 500% more productive when we're in flow state. So rather than being in anxiety and in hustle, we're actually, when we slow ourselves down and get into flow state, we're actually more productive. Um, and we're also uh, happier. The five most feel good neurotransmitters are all lit up right when we are, and we're flooded with them right when we are in this, this space that we call flow state. Um, and the beauty of it is it's hackable. You can hack into flow state. It doesn't have to necessarily, we're not, um, you know, necessarily a victim of our, of the events swirling around us. Certainly, obviously there's trauma and that, you know, that would not be a time where we may be experiencing flow. Um, but in a general, um, you know, general typical middle of the day, you can actually practice some tools that hack you into that experience. I, I, love I love that. that. <laughs> this is fascinating because I only had like the most rudimentary understanding. Like you hear like flow, you hear people talk about it and it's like, oh, it just must be when I'm doing something that feels easy. But I love how you were equating it to, it also um, brings out happiness and is, you know, 
it's more than just like, oh, this work is easy. So I feel good because it's easy. So I should do more than that. It really, it sounds like changes our mood and our productivity and probably how we feel about ourselves too. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, Mimi. The one thing I would say too, about it, uh, when you use the term ease, um, one of the things that, and there's a great diagram and I, I should put it up here on screen, although I think we have some people who are listening by audio, but you can see his original framework, um, is a chart and it's very simple. It has anxiety on one, on one part flow on the other and boredom at the bottom. And basically what the flow chart shows is that, um, we establish flow state when the challenge that works, our skills are commensurate with the challenge at hand. In other words, if we're participating in a skill that we don't necessarily um, have, or participating in an activity that we don't necessarily yet have the skills for, and we're really pushing ourselves, or maybe we've given ourselves a timeline that isn't at all realistic, right? I can get out of flow very easily with the concept of deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I drop the deadline, I go back into flow, right? It's like the anxiety is happening as I'm trying to race the clock. But if I can drop the deadline, I can drop myself back into flow. Um, and then the other half of that is if we're involved in activities where our skills really exceed the task, then we're in boredom. So that I think of as like, um, you know, scrolling Facebook, <laughs> looking at you know, things that feel more that, that occupy our minds, but might make us ultimately with too much time I'll spend on that feeling kind of restless and listless, um, and bored, if you will. Yeah. I love that distinction. Yeah. I love that distinction that it's not just what's easy because it also has to be engaging. Is that what you're, you're saying? Like, yeah, exactly. It's so it's, yeah, you, um, one of the characteristics that he found is that, yeah, that engagement piece, one is that when you're in flow state, you can only do one task at a time. So part of the engagement is we can't be in flow state when we're multitasking. The brain's you know, capability is only on this one task at a time. So that's part of it. Um, and then, yeah, there's, a, there's actually a sense of um, merging with the activity. So I don't know if either of you have any um, you know, hobbies you do, painting or um, sculpting or whatever skiing, you know, any, any hobby where, um, you might find yourself kind of becoming one with the task. In other words, like the skier becomes one with the set of skis connected to them. There's a this sense of union, the sense of oneness, the painter becomes the paint, um, the painting, if you will. And yeah. so the, the product actually becomes sort of an extension of the person, the extension of the self. Yeah, and I was I was actually thinking of simpler tasks because I was trying to think of examples of, and I'm currently, you know, just admittedly in a state of burnout. So just so everybody knows. So I couldn't think of like complex, really cool things that I do that get me into a state of flow. But when you were talking about painting, just I like just painting a room, you know, I like painting furniture. Just anything, applying color to something is fun for me. And I can just in the simple task, not very artistic of me, but just when I'm painting a room, like taping it off, you know, figuring out which roller or brush to use. And when I'm, I, that puts me in what I think, and, it, and it's not super challenging. So it doesn't exceed my skill set, but I don't paint enough that it's like boring. 
Um, so would that be an example? Like it could be a really simple task because I was thinking things like organizing my closet once a week in the morning, I go in and just kind of make sure everything's kind of cleaned up. Um, and I go into kind of a zone with that. That yeah. feels, I, I would say I'm happier after I do it. I feel like I've done a really, like I've been productive. I've been 500% more productive than the rest of the week um, in terms of organizing my closet. Could those simple tasks also be, or does that count as flow? (laughs) 100%. Yeah. And I love the term you use in the zone, because that's the term a lot of people use to describe when Mm -hmm. they feel that being in the flow state. But absolutely. Two of the characteristics you actually mentioned in there, Lee, um, kind of embedded in that is that part of um, what Cheek Sent Me High found is that to be in flow state, it's helpful to have some sort of goal. So in your case, it's like there's this bedroom wall that needs to be painted, right? And I'm going to put tape around the wall and I'm going to paint this wall and that there's some sort of immediate feedback. So you're seeing as you put the paint up on the wall, oh, there's there's some progress that's being made here. So there's this, this funny... Um, yes, like interesting, I guess, uh, paradox, if you will, that you, yeah, that there is this particular goal. Um, we tend to do better with activities that are autotelic, meaning we would love to do it just for the sake of doing it, not because we're expecting any sort of reward. However, getting immediate feedback on it is also a characteristic of flow state. So I think that's a perfect example. And I oddly can like get into flow folding my laundry. Right. <laughs> Loading the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. So let me just ask, like when you say I can get into it with those simple things that you guys are just describing, what does that feel like? Like for somebody that's like, I just can't even imagine considering laundry being in a flow state. Like, is there a way that you're, that it feels to you that's like, oh, this is flow? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. For me, it feels as close proximity that I could describe it is true presence. It's right. Cause I'm doing one task at a time. I'm trying to do it. I'm not having the TV running at the same time or, you know, trying to file my tax, do my taxes at the same time. I'm focused on this one activity. There's a, there's a goal in mind of something that I know that, you know, that I'm going to reach at the end of this 20 minute task. Um, and there's going to be immediate feedback as I see the washcloths fault folding up and piling on top of each other. Um, And so, yeah, the very tiniest tasks, um, you can experience it. And I think for me, the way I experience it in my body, it's um, a sense of great inner peace. It's a sense of great presence. I'm right there in the moment. Um, And there's, I, you know, I think at the end, there's sort of a sense of accomplishment. I've done something and I've done something without having to be in the hustle. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And I, and that's where I'm big on to note and celebrate all of the input, right. I note and celebrate the input. Um, and I release the outcome. If I don't get through all of the laundry, like that's okay. Also, I'm going to note and celebrate the laundry I did get through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love that. So just as a counterpoint to that, yeah. how do you feel and know when you're not in flow? Yeah, it's a great question. Good. Yeah. Um, so I I like to discuss it as I that these are my guardrails, boredom and anxiety, right? And so I know when I'm out of flow because I'm starting to run up against one of the other two. And again, I wish I had the diagram to show you visually, but you'll see it visually yeah. if you look it up yeah. online. Um, 
But as I'm kind of touching over into anxiety, ooh, this is my this is my message. This is my notice. This is my ah. I in some way need to lower expectations for myself right now. I am requiring and demanding too much for myself right now. Something I'm telling myself I have to, I should, whatever it is. Yeah. So I have to start kind of, you know, digging a little bit at some of those thoughts that's keeping me in the hustle mode, right? And then on the other side, uh, boredom. If I'm feeling a lot of boredom, listlessness, restlessness, it's a signal to me, ah, I'm hungry for a little more increase of challenge in my life. There's something that I'm kind of hungering and I just pay attention to that, but they, they're my teachers. They're my guardrails. It's those feeling sensations. That's why it's so helpful to be tapped into what our feelings are so that we know, ah, when I hit that, all right, it's a chance and opportunity to think about in what area of my life would I like to increase the challenge a bit? And that can get me back. Flow. I love that. So if your feelings suppressor getting into flow state, it's going to probably be a little challenging, right? Well, and that's part of the practice, I think, of learning to do it is um, when I work with clients, I work with them on, yeah, getting in touch with our bodies, right? And the bodily yeah. sensations that we experience, even if they're super, super nuanced at first, but just start paying attention to that. And you can ask people, what does it, what's it felt like when you've been in, like you can take them through it. What does it feel like when you've been in flow? Hmm, what's it felt like when you've felt anxiety? Where in your body did you experience it? What bodily sensations were you experiencing? How about boredom, right? And so yeah. there's yeah. a roadmap there. There's a compass there, if you will. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to, so I have a very real life situation. It's not like a task like painting. Okay. In terms of the happiness level that you can get from, and the resiliency you can get from being able to go into hack into flow. And the idea that there are these guardrails of feelings that can keep you, if, if not in flow, somewhere better than anxiety and boredom. Uh, so the real life situation, which has, it's, it's a very complex, messy, um, task, but I have a mother who's in dementia right now, and we've got various family members trying to jump in, and everyone's very anxious because they have all these high expectations. I'm, I'm hearing like there are these expectations that maybe she shouldn't be the way she is, or that the place where she is should be doing better, and it creates all this anxiety. And I just had this conversation with the family, yeah, I have, we have like a group chat. I'm like, we have to lower our expectations because everyone's all amped up because they don't know what to do. And so they're in this state of anxiety. And so the idea of lowering expectations in a healthy way in moments when yet like the anxiety is not going to help anything <laughs> and it doesn't feel good, just take it down a notch. What if, what if you could lower, what, what are you expecting? What if you could lower that? Yeah. What would that feel like? Yeah. So I think it applies. I don't know how flow state applies to managing a family member's dementia. It's a very messy all over the place kind of task. It's not as clean as folding your laundry, <laughs> you know, literally and figuratively, it's not as clean, but um, in terms of just doing your life, I can see these guardrails just in terms of going through your day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Lee. And I think you 
you bring up a good point because there are going to be big catalytic events, right? That happen like mom's going into memory care, right? That's a pretty big life event for your family. Um, and so I like to think about that in terms of, and I think it relates to flow state, the idea of what you were saying, lower expectations, but it reminds me a lot of what you and I have talked about and learned about through um, the work of Martha Beck, which is that's a square one event, right? There's a catalytic, catalytic event that's happened here. And so there's going to be some grieving and disbelieving, right? And providing that space for whatever feelings are bubbling up for people, the grief part of it. And then when they're ready or when you're ready, um, the disbelieving of what are the, what are the painful thoughts I'm having about this? Mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. get a little bit of um, maybe a little bit of space around. And so in a lot of ways that ties in with flow, right? Because it's, that is the lowering of the expectations. Martha talks about, we just live in 15 minute increments of life. (laughs) And that's what a beautiful way to lower our expectations for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, this is about 15 minute living right now. So. Yeah, and even the origin of flow, what I didn't understand about it until you explained it was that it's out of war-torn country and trying to get back on your feet. So there you are in square one in a war-torn country, and you're looking for how do people come back, bounce back from this. Yeah. Um, hacking into, well, that maybe brings us into the hacks. You know, how do you hack in in a daily way? Uh, in your 15 minute incremental living. And for our population, you know, for this particular podcast, these are divorced women starting businesses. And so the challenge for the divorced woman is I am strong and capable and smart and all these good things. And I'm dealing with a trauma that happened in my life that doesn't just go away overnight. And I might be a single mom dealing with the daily challenges of that and working um, you know, they're like micro traumas <laughs> all the time. And uh, I love this idea of flow. How can I hack into it so that I can get stuff done and maybe get a sense of better satisfaction with my current life? And even if it's for 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, one I would say is when you're going through some, I, and this is part of my work with flow or my contribution or connection to it is that I think it requires us to rest more because most of us are in the, traditionally we're coming it down from being in the hustle phase of things, especially as you're describing busy moms who are coming out of a divorce, right? And they're also trying to launch a business. So um, resting more and enhancing and increasing pleasurable situations in their life, whether that's just meditating 10 minutes a day, lighting a candle, you know, something that creates a sense of, um, peace, equanimity, and that is going to kind of help them get back into that body compass. Also a feeling for the anxiety, feeling for boredom and use that as a, as a, um, as sort of a compass, if you will. The other thing that can be really helpful, um, is that I like to, um, I, I mentioned earlier when I fashion my goals. So any goal that I might set for myself, um, I fashion it on those circumstances for which I can control. So for example, if I were starting a new business, I wouldn't say for me from a flow state perspective, I wouldn't say, well, in month one, I want to make $1,000 because there are too many extraneous (laughs) things 
that don't that I don't necessarily have control over, right? It could be economy that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things I don't have control over. So whenever I set a goal, because as you remember in flow state, you want to have a goal with immediate feedback. I set it um, just from the, I fashion it from only that, which I can control. So it might be, I'm going to make three calls this week to new prospective clients. And that's something I can control, right? I can pick up the phone. I can make the three calls. Um, And so I'm tying it to the input rather than to the outcome. Nice. (laughs) I just have to say nice. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, I'm celebrating that. So culture, we have a funny way with culture, right? We're taught early on. My children come home with spelling tests, you know, oh, you got it 95%, whatever the grade is, right? It's all about, we're measuring what the outcome was. I like to note and measure and celebrate the input. So when I've made those three calls, that is a time for great celebration, right? That's the celebration. So I fashion my goals based on that, which I can control. And I celebrate the heck out of the rest of it. And then I sort of release the outcome. And it's funny because the outcomes often, because I've been putting in some work along the way come on their own, but I, I don't make that the focus of my energy in order to be able to stay in a flow state. I like to put it on the things that I can control. Another little hackable piece. Oh, sorry, Mimi, were you going to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to, while you're on that topic, because the idea of, you know, directly calling three potential clients to me just sends up like high stress flags for so many people. (laughs) And the idea, and um, I think one is because we already are jumping into their head about how they're going to feel about it, right? And that what's the outcome going to be? Like, are they going to buy da 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 da? But if you set it up where, the goal is really just for me to call them and have a conversation. Like I can already see how that's moving more into flow state away from anxiety. So then it makes that a much more approachable goal, right? When you're, you don't have the anxiety of the outcome. And 100%. And it's nature, so, yes, 100%. And imagine the nature of that conversation coming yeah. with that energy with that client versus the, I've got to get, sell them on this package, (laughs) right? If the energy is just, I want to call this client and make a, have a meaningful conversation. It's a really different, right? It's a different conversation with that client. And I think that client feels it. And my guess, my hunches, (laughs) people can go out and test this, but my hunch is they're more inclined actually to buy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's reducing the anxiety for those tasks that we seem um, stressed or incapable of including. So then it makes us include those tasks more frequently. Uh, I love that has a great hack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, In sales, that's such a good example because that's where I, I, I don't know. I've never met the person who says, I love getting on a sales call and driving home. I, not in our business of coaching. I've heard other types, you know, people who are more in like corporate sales say things closer to that. But that that is such a good example for everyone of how they might make this task less anxiety producing and, and less boring too. If you think this is just, I'm just picking up the phone and talking to somebody. It's not as boring because it's just a conversation and conversations for most people are fun and not boring. So I love, I love that so much, Kylia. 
really good example. Yeah. Okay. Now you can go on to the next hack. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. We um, had to do it all. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, so um, another one, this one's just kind of a funny trait one, but I like to do it with um, like folding my laundry. So I might set the goal of like, I'm going to see if I can fold my laundry in 12 minutes. Like, so I put a little artificial goal in there just as a game. So I game it, I make it fun. <laughs> and so that's kind of a fun way to um, like yesterday, I folded my laundry in 13 minutes. Let's see if I can do it in 12 today. Right. Um, so sometimes just gaming it, making it fun, getting a little playful with it can get us into flow state, especially with the tasks that might be less non-autotelic, right? So autotelic means we like it for the sake of doing it. Non-autotelic is like, mm, we don't really prefer to do that task, but we do it anyway. So for those sort of tasks, I always say, make a game out of it can be very helpful. Yeah. Um, and then something I like to do actually every morning um, is I journal and I write my day as if it already happened. And I set all my intentions for what I want to have happen as if they've already happened. Um, and a lot of it, I write from a feeling space. So um, for example, I might not say, well, you know, <clears throat> the call went fantastic and I have three new buyers. <laughs> but what I might say is I picked up the phone, I lit a candle, I felt I practiced some centered exercises and I write it all in past tenses if it's happened. Um, and I just showed up with the intention on that call of just being my truest, truest self. And so I might include that in my, in my morning writing. And so I really, I write out my whole day as if it's already happened. And then at the end of the day, I go back and I just revisit it and I take a little highlighter and I highlight all the things that actually came true. And very often, many of them do. And not from a hustly perspective, not from a I have to or a to-do list, but really just from a, an appreciation of like, wow, this date really went in the way that I um, went in kind of a flow-like way in the way that I had intended. And then I always end it with an, a gratitude exercise at the end of the day. So writing down five things for which I feel really grateful because I think gratitude and flow live, occupy a similar part of our brains. And um, so I'd like to keep that exercise going yeah. as well. Yeah. I love that too, for the side benefit of um, when you check back in, it starts to help you understand more what you can and can't do. Like, you know, I think as humans, we always overestimate how much we can accomplish yeah. in a day. And so this like revisiting, you know, how your day went, yeah. you know, I always like, I'm, I'm big into realism and <laughs> what am I learning from this moment? So I could see how that could help guide to you where it's like, you know what I have found after doing this, that I'm really best if I just schedule two calls a day, yeah. you know, like while I would love it, if I called three people, I really am happiest and most successful with who I am. If I only did two or you know, that's just an example. Yeah. That sounds like more in flow when I do two versus three. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Could you say more about how flow and gratitude occupy the same part of the brain? Yeah. So I think a lot about, um, the work of Jill Bolte Taylor and the whole brain living. If you haven't had a chance to read it, it's great. Um, yeah, it's on your bookshelf. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But she calls it right. Our characters three and characters four are over there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where it exists over on that, um, 
that's the right side of the brain, right? That, yeah, the right side of the brain, characters three and four. Um, and so I think they, yes, occupy a similar space. And so, you know, engaging with one, I think gives some muscle memory to the other one as well. It's the, you know, that kind of playful side of us. Um, and I think it's actually in character four, I think um, gratitude and flow We'd have to go look back if it was character three or character four, where they both reside, but they're certainly over both on that. I was going to ask you, was it character? It was one character three, but I could see gratitude being character four for sure. And for those of you listening to this and you're super confused, um, that's a great book to read. (laughs) We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. (laughs) All of those and that first study that you had so people can see the diagram. We'll we'll put a link into that so people can go check it out. Yes. Yeah. Love that. So um, since we're talking to women that have this business idea that they've either just started or they're trying to figure out how to move it forward, um, I love these hacks for getting into a state of flow as a way to recognize, um, you know, when you're doing the thing that you love and when you're moving forward, but I also love it as a way to celebrate. I love how you talked so much about celebrate every moment, these throughout the day, these things that you're accomplishing. Yeah. Yes. It's beautiful because again, you know, as you found with the characteristics of it, you have to have a goal and it has to have immediate feedback. Right. And if we can, again, fashion it around those things that we can control that are in our control, and then we do it, I just think celebrate that. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Celebrate it. Cause I think we don't often give ourselves credit. We do a lot in a day and we don't often give us ourselves credit of just how much we've done, just how much we've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, hustle culture will tell us, oh, well, what's one more, do one more thing. Right. Or <laughs> we're right. Yeah. Exactly. I love that there seems to be a shift away from yeah. hustle culture. We have another podcast on CEO mindset and kind of CEO energy. And I think this flow, when you think about that is, you know, a beautiful way to manage as the CEO of your business, which can sound and feel so intimidating, but -hmm. incorporating flow into that mindset would be really helpful. That's what that leads into a question I had for, well, all of this, but Kylea specifically around flow is why is it important for a solopreneur, like a, you know, we, we talked about like a divorce mom, this is a great way to just do those 15 minute increments as a solopreneur. And specifically, I think a lot of our clients are doing things like online businesses as consultants or teachers or coaches. How is flow going to help so, you know, somebody's listening, they're like, that sounds really cool, but I don't know how it's going to help me. I still don't quite get how it's going to help me. Why is this so important for a solopreneur who's doing this kind of online teaching, coaching, consulting stuff? Yeah. Well, I think for the kind of the, some of the reasons we discussed a little bit earlier, it actually makes us more productive, right? So Kinsey group did a, um, or McKinsey group did a study that found that entrepreneur CEOs specifically who access flow state regularly were 500% more productive than those who didn't. So we know that we actually can accomplish more when we're in that state. Um, The other thing that I think is really helpful with anyone who's starting a new business, right, is getting starting to track of when is this feeling out of flow and when is this starting to feel like anxiety? Because that's my 
that's my cue, right? That I need some additional resources. So it might not necessarily, they may very well have all of the skills, you know, so it may not be that the challenge is over the top, but it may be, I can't do all of these things. Maybe this is time for me to get a VA, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is might be a time, this is a signal. If I'm starting to feel that, how can I think about lowering expectations for myself and use it again as sort of a compass for your for building your business, right? When I find myself overly feeling this way um, and feeling the demands are too high and starting to feel those early inklings of burnout, right? Mm-hmm. What can I do to make this more sustainable? And so paying attention to the feelings that arise and then think, okay, how can I lower expectations for myself? Well, maybe I'm going to change some deadlines around here. Maybe I'm going to consider hiring out some additional help. Maybe I'm going to have somebody um, help pick up the kids after school so that I'm not doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Get in a carpool, whatever. (laughs) Um, It's just a signal, right? It's information to us um, that we're a little bit out of, we've gotten a little out of flow and, and, and we can find our, we can feel our way back in. We can find solutions to that. Like whatever it is, if I personally get so bored doing a lot of the backend admin that's involved in running a business. Some of it I can do and I seem to be able to get into flow. Some of it, I'm just bored out of my mind and I just want to stab myself with knitting needles, you know, in the eyeballs. But um, that's when I should, you know, according to this, I should be thinking um, either how can I gain this you know, maybe there's a way to game this, maybe I need rest, you know, maybe there's some other hacks, but also, is there a way I can find someone else who could do this? Yeah. Could I con a child into, <laughs> you know, like pay a child to come help me if it's really, you know, basic or, um, or hire a VA, as you said, I mean, Mimi and I've been incredibly lucky that we've had each other. It was, we've had like this extra employee all along, which helps, but we do, we do reach our limits. And I know, you know, all solopreneurs are eventually going to hit that wall where it's either a little too challenging to do all the things, or it's just going to make you scream because you hate doing it. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I love this is another little trick from Martha, from Martha Beck, but she has something called bag it, better it, barter it. And yeah. that's what we think about it. It's like bag it. Can we get rid of it? Do we have to do this? Right. We're doing things we think we have to do. And when you look really closely, we actually don't have to do them. Um, can we barter it? So either change it, change the role with somebody else, right. Exchange the role or even exchange dollars, right. Pay mm-hmm. someone else to do it. Right, or is right. there a way to better it? Could I do this in a way that would feel you know, I give, always give the example of the, like, I can't, I have to be the one that goes to the dentist to have my teeth, you know, worked on. I can't send my husband in to do it. Right. So what can I do instead? Okay. I can listen to a great podcast, right. Or whatever, um, to better it for myself. So I think that can sometimes be helpful too, is to, is to think in those terms. Um, and an important thing I also just want to add when we're talking about that side of the diagram and the anxiety that sometimes the anxiety isn't necessarily because, um, the task is too hard, but it's sometimes we're having some anxious thoughts. And so that's also getting with a good, um, therapist or a good coach can also be really, really helpful, um, to kind of help unearth what else is happening here. And what are the thoughts that might be driving some of this too? Some painful. I think that's an especially good, um, thing. I'm just gonna 
kind of put brackets around what you just said and say that we've noticed in working with um, divorced women, and again, that's just our population. These things apply to everybody, but um, when you find yourself spinning around, like you have the problem, but you have a lot of yeah, buts, and you just don't, it, it seems unsafe something maybe even seemingly simple, you just can't solve it because you're bumping into thoughts in your head. Right. Yeah, but this, I'm worried about spending the money to fix the problem or yeah, but this other thing, I need to drive the kids all over kingdom come. You know, uh, that's when it's good to reach out for some help because you're stuck in your own thought cage. And so if you start to spin around like that and you, you catch it like, oh, I'm just coming up with all these excuses and I never quite solved this problem to us. We've discovered that's a really good indicator that um, help is needed. Yeah. Maybe a good coach, a really good coach, um, look for a good certified coach and, um, or a therapist. It depends on how severe the issue is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Kylie. This has just been amazing. You've blown my mind several times over. Um, just and that's just that that number five hundred percent more productive to me. That is so, and also the happiness quotient. You know that you could be five hundred percent more productive and happier at the same time. I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> all right, give me some of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So um, why don't you tell everybody where uh, people can find you to learn more about you, what you do and how they can work with you? Yeah, thanks, Mimi. So um, my website is Kylea Asher, K-Y-L-E-A-A-S-H-E-R.com. Um, and then I'm also on um, Instagram and Facebook intermittently at Coaching <laughs> at the Cottage. So you can find me there as well. I have a uh, practice that includes um, where I see clients virtually, but I also see clients here on my home property. We have a little cottage in the back. So we call it coaching at the cottage, um, where I do individual work or individual, um, client work with individual clients and also workshops out there. So yeah, would love to connect with anyone who's interested in learning more about flow. Absolutely. Yeah. And the cottage is so cute. So if you live near Kylia, then you've got to do coaching at the cottage. <laughs> Thank you, <Lee>. Yes. <laughs> We always love visitors to the cottage. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you so much. And, um, you know, maybe we'll have you back to talk more about flow. I'm sure we've gonna, we're going to come up with so many more questions about this. There's, it's really made my mind work, you know, listening to this. It's just um, a, a wonderful topic and, and so relevant and useful for um, divorced women running businesses. It's just, I think, invaluable. Yeah. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's been a pleasure, ladies. Thank you both so much for having me. And I am excited to hear more of your podcast too. I'll be tuning in. Yay. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Getting Rich After Divorce. We're so happy you were here. We truly value each and every one of you. Yes, um, we, we sure do. And be sure to subscribe to us wherever you're catching us, whether it's on, you know, through a podcast platform or on YouTube, uh, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you feel like you deserve that um, and, and join our community so you get updates and, and stick with us.